Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the pod for episode number 71. This week, Esther and I are here to catch up with you on what we've been up to, training the good and the bad, and then we're diving into a chat about programming, periodization, and of course, periods. We are going to talk through how a good running program should look down to the nitty and gritty of a speed session. Shout out to our regular Tough Girl Tuesdays and why we should always be focused on periodizing our training. What does periodization even mean? But before we do so, Est, how are you and how's the last couple of weeks been? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Lids. I am feeling energized. I think we were chatting about, you know, being in the late luteal phase recently. And I just had like a really rough late luteal phase last time. So I felt like my mental health was not fabulous. And I was like telling lids that I was running along the road and running past like people on the path being like get the fuck out of my way in my head (laughs) and normally I'm really chill so I was like all right something's all right here so yeah shout out to my progesterone and estrone dropping away at extreme rates and making me super angry so I'm feeling great now because I have started my new cycle and yeah I feel great like a new woman feel energized ready to go uh training for me has been a bit up and down I have been nursing a slightly sore left hip so I went to the physio and she basically just said that my TFL which is a little muscle in the side of your hip uh, which can sometimes overwork if your glutes not working properly and she just said that mine overworks a lot so yeah working on the glute strength and she needled it she did those deep needles where she moves it around and it was like twitching heart out but after that it feels like it's very much so improving so that's good yeah so training for me has been a bit uh lower mileage for the last few weeks and just trying to like yeah get my body right and make sure I'm all good but apart from that I just want to build up a big base so yeah going into winter in New Zealand and yeah I just want to get really fit and strong and then target some races later on in the year and yeah that's pretty much it for me how are you yeah, and you quickly just touch on the fact you decided not to do the 10K race, right? Just to like look after your health, which I think is so smart. Yeah, it was a hard decision. I love racing and I like 10K. So yeah, I was sad to not do it, but I was also proud of myself for making that decision. Mm. It can be really hard. And I think us runners are always kind of chasing like short term endorphin hits. And I think racing is one of the ways we do that. But um, I think definitely making the right decision to pull back and just focus on the long term, like what is actually going to benefit you more is so important, which is awesome. I am good too. Yeah, training has been going really well. I had another really strong week last week, probably ran the biggest week in terms of mileage that I have in a long time so it just seems to be that I'm like yeah adding a bit more load each week and the body is holding up to it so it's really good I feel tired (laughs) now because I think 
I'm like really in the thick of training, but it's like training tired, not like injury or fatigue tired, which is nice. I did a long 40K run on Saturday, which I actually hadn't pre-planned to do it. It almost happened by accident. I ran to meet my friends, which was 10Ks away, and then they wanted to do 20K. So I did that with them. And then by the time we got 30Ks in, it was actually pouring down and I was saturated and freezing cold and I didn't want to get in a car and like try and catch a ride back to the city. So I just decided to run back. And so once I got home, it was 40Ks on the clock and I was like, wow, I think maybe I'm ready to run a marathon. The body actually pulled up from it pretty well. Like, yes, I'm tired, but there's not too many like niggles or injuries. So that was positive. And then yesterday I backed it up with my Tough Girl Tuesday session, uh, which was K reps. I did 10 by a K on the track, which again, haven't done that session that big in probably like two years. So uh, it was good to get through that knowing I wasn't too focused too much on like really quick pace. It was more just like work through it at a pace that felt comfortable and yeah, it was fun. So training is good. I I have so many people asking me what race I'm going to be doing and people are asking if I've decided between the half and the full marathon. And I just want to let everybody know, I still haven't decided. I think I will run the marathon. I think I'm inclined to run the marathon now that I did the 40Ks in the weekend. And it really, honestly, it depends on the weather in Noosa. If it's really hot, I don't want to go out and run 40Ks in like 28 degrees. But if it's a crisp, cool morning, I I would definitely want to get on that start line to run the marathon. So I know I can't wait to the last day to decide, but I will soon. <laughs> I, I really need to make my decision. But yeah, I'm really excited to just even be in a race. Like it's, it's like, a feeling I haven't felt in a long time because I haven't been able to race for ages. So I almost forgot what it felt like to just get excited to race. And now I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, so that's cool. And then work-wise, yeah, works like as per pretty busy. Things are moving pretty quickly. I'm actually heading to the States in like three or four weeks. So just wrapping up as much work as I can before I head over there for a few weeks and yeah, if you're over in the States and you are a listener, let us know because I know America is a big country, but I'm going to be on the West Coast for a wee while. So would love to connect with any families that are around. But yeah, things are happening. Things are moving. It's really exciting. So exciting. Yeah, I'm so pumped to see your race and maybe you can enter both. Maybe you can enter the marathon and you can enter the half. And then on the day you decide, I feel like that's a great way of allowing you to avoid 28 degree day if it is the case but yeah I'm excited to see you race I feel like you're gonna absolutely smash it you're training so well and you just seem like you're bouncing back from all the hard sessions again so that's so cool and yeah I wish I was coming to the states with you we will definitely be going one time in the future but yeah it's gonna be so cool to see your journey over there I'm excited for that too yeah, thanks, Est. It is weird, I think, for those people who might be in the same same position in terms of racing, like you've either never raced before or you haven't raced for a long time. It's so hard to think what you're capable of and like what pace you should be going at it. I find that quite difficult. Like I really don't have much of an idea of what I'm capable of right now. Like I could be running really fast times. Or maybe I'm just like feeling good in training. I don't know. It's weird. So it'll be good just as like a chicken point. I think it will help me set up the rest of the year really well. For sure. I feel like you will probably surprise yourself. That's my, that's my gut feeling. 
<laughs> I hope so. I hope it's a good surprise and not a bad one. <laughs> Today, as we mentioned, we are going to deep dive into programming and chatting about how we all of us as athletes can set up a really good running program. I think obviously we have an incredible group of coaches at Femi that work with athletes and program them and not only around their personal goals and abilities, but also around their menstrual cycle. But for someone who maybe doesn't have a coach or the interest in bringing on a coach into their running journey, the way that you can set up your own program around your goals and your abilities and also your menstrual cycle is something that you can actually do. You just need kind of the background knowledge of how you can do that. So today we wanted to jump into why you should be setting up a program, how you can do that. So it will benefit you as an athlete and the journey that you're on and, and chase the goals that you want to chase. So Est, do you want to just chat us through like, why is it important as a runner to actually have a program to follow or a plan? Yes, for sure. I think the first thing to touch on is motivation. And I think that's something that a lot of people say at Femi, they find that having a program set out for them takes away like the decision fatigue because a lot of us are really busy women. We're working full-time jobs. We may have kids, we may have pets, we may have, you know, family things going on. And there's so many decisions you have to make in a day. So having like this program written out for you even if it's written by yourself you know you spend one afternoon writing the next four weeks out for yourself or you have a coach that is actually writing it for you it just really helps with motivation because it takes away that responsibility on you at the time on that day to decide what you're running and I think that's really really important and that's something that I really enjoy when I have a program written is that I look at the program and I say sweet I put my shoes on and I head out the door if I know that I've got a session the next day and it's written out for me, I can think about what I'm doing the day before in terms of like fueling, hydration, sleep, all those important things that are going to help me like really nail that session. Like I can plan ahead and make sure that I'm ready to go hard and, and work hard on the day when I have those speed sessions. So yeah, I think the first thing is definitely like motivation and also that leads to having like a purpose behind your training. Cause I think, yeah, when you have a plan written out for you, there is quite often an end goal, like it might be towards a race, it might be towards trying to get a little bit fitter, it might be trying to be a little bit faster. And so the type of training that you're inputting either yourself or by your coach gives you some purpose behind your training rather than just being like, oh, I'm going to go run maybe half an hour today. And then I might do like a minute fast, a minute slow, but you don't really know why you're doing it. So by having like, a program you're able to like focus on that purpose and yes yeah, stay motivated with having it done for you so those are some of the things that I really enjoy about following your plan yeah I agree like I definitely think having like some structure around your training is so important what I see a lot as a coach is people getting into running not really having any idea what they need to be doing they just go out and literally run as fast as they can for as long as they can which might be a block it might be 3k's it might be 5k's and then they just do that every day and think that that is going to get them fitter and faster and be a better runner but actually that is the like pathway to destruction as an athlete I think um, having some structure around your training definitely plays into like giving purpose to each session and when we talk about different sessions or different runs you know we're talking about a recovery run versus like a long run versus like a speed run versus maybe just a steady run and strides which we can definitely get more into soon but by having that structure 
and purpose behind each of your runs, you will allow your body to actually adapt to the training the way that it should be and really prevent yourself from potentially getting injured or burnt out. I think a lot of us without a program, and I'm definitely guilty of this, if I don't really know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, I will probably do too much or too little, whereas having a program actually sets you out in a way that there is structure from week to week, month to month, and even over years and in training blocks in particular, it allows you to actually do like the right amount of training at the right time so that you are essentially peaking at the right time as well. And, you know, everybody's different. Every runner is different. All of our goals are different. You might be chasing a particular race, a particular distance. Maybe you just want to improve your pace. Maybe you just want to feel stronger as a runner. We all have different goals, but having some structure and purpose and a plan allows you to set your program up around those goals, which then allows you to actually like get to those goals in a really healthy and sustainable way, celebrate them, recover, and then go again. But when we talk about peaking it for us, for Esther and myself, and for a lot of our athletes, it really is around races, but just know that it doesn't have to be a race that you're chasing. You don't have to be lining up at a start line. You might just want to get yourself in a really healthy way to 10Ks or 15Ks or 5Ks. And that's so fine too. But yeah, it all looks different for each of us. But a program is something that we can all benefit off. And when we talk about all of that and having purpose and structure, kind of the underlying basis of that structure is the idea of periodization. And shout out to one of our Femi Queens, Grace, who came to me recently and asked me like, what does periodization even mean? Like, can we explain periodization in a way that everybody can understand it? And I guess the scientific version of periodization is defined as the planned manipulation of training variables, loads, sets, and repetitions in order to maximize training adaptations and to prevent the onset of overtraining syndrome. I somewhat agree with that. I think that's right, but I also think we're not just trying to prevent the onset of overtraining syndrome. We're actually trying to allow the athlete to, like I said, peak at the right times based off what her goals are and her intentions of her training are. So periodization is, should we jump into it? Do you want to just chat to us around like, what do we need to take into account when planning a training block around periodization? Yes, for sure. I think the first thing to consider is like how long you have before the goal right so like if it is prior to a race uh, that's a great place to start if you don't have a race in mind it might be a separate goal uh, but you can still look ahead and look at how much time you have before you want to reach that goal so like for example a marathon or something you're probably better at speaking to this lids but like you would never say that anything less than 16 weeks is really acceptable leading up to a marathon. And hopefully you've done some running before that. I would say it'd be more than much more than 16 weeks if you're starting from nothing. But that's a really important first step because what that does is it allows you to sort of break training up into blocks. And I think a really nice way to look at it and what we do at Femi anyway is alongside the menstrual cycle that sits within the blocks. But we'll go into that more detail soon. But the way that I've always periodized my training and from a coach perspective is you start in like a base phase or like a build block. And that's pretty much trying to build your mileage, build your endurance and build your ability to run like 
longer Ks. So the main target for that is building your like aerobic capacity. So pulling back the intensity of sessions, but more focusing on like mileage, building strength and endurance. And then you move into more like a, um, a speedier block and that builds your intensity slowly over time. And then depending on the type of race, you would move into something that's like either super speedy or really race specific following that. And then you would move into a taper, which for a marathon would be about two weeks, but for anything shorter, could be up to a week or even less if it's a really short race and then again it's dependent on the person like some people find if they taper really hard they feel really crap but if they taper like moderately they feel really good so finding what works for you is really important and then you do the thing and then you recover like Lid said so that's kind of how I've done periodization in the past and it's really cool because it gives you like chunky achievable timeframes which also is exciting because if you look at a 16 week block it can be like oh that's actually really long and it can be daunting but if you break it up it's actually like oh okay this is totally achievable I'm actually only going to go be going like really hard for this amount of time rather than you know the whole 16 weeks um type of thing so that's kind of how I look at periodization what about you Liz? Yeah, I feel like for those who are wondering based on their goals and their abilities around training block periodization for us, um, what we would recommend, as I said, for a marathon, like 16 to 20 weeks of that training block would be awesome. For a half marathon, we would usually look anywhere from 12 to 16 weeks. For a 10K, maybe you're looking at a training block of like 8 to 12 weeks, depending on what your initial fitness is and your initial ability to run is. And then for a 5K, you really could tune up for a 5K if you've got that base level of fitness. Anyway, like 6 to 8 weeks is a great amount of time to kind of hyper-focus in on that distance. But those are kind of the timeframes that we would look at depending on what distance you're training for. Really, no matter what ability you're at, I think if you're a beginner, like you've never run before, I would probably give myself a good few months to even start thinking about training up for a specific race, like a 5K. But um, yeah, you have to take that into account when you're thinking about what your training is as well. And then I think, as S mentioned, we can look at periodizing our training around the month or a cycle. So knowing everybody's menstrual cycle timeframes are different, but we like to think about the cycle as a 28 day cycle only because it makes sense from a month perspective being four weeks. But what is really helpful in a 28 day cycle, four week cycle is that we can actually focus on periodizing our training around those four weeks with the first one, two, maybe three weeks as build weeks and really like focused on intensity and building up our load. And then that fourth week kind of being a down a week where we allow the body to refresh and recover. The concept of periodization is really beneficial because it helps you to not burn out. And as I said, right back at the start for people who've never run before, and then they just want to run as fast as as far as they can every single day, you will hit a wall, but periodization really allows the body to gradually get better over time, knowing that you'll build, 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 then you might drop a little bit, then you'll build, 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 you might drop a little bit, but you're forever gaining because you're actually taking those weeks down versus like just trying to build, 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 then just fall off the cliff. Uh, so that's why periodization is helpful. And I think it's a really easy way to understand it when you look at a month of training. I think there's always been that concept of three weeks on, one week off. It's a forever known concept of training. And it's really beneficial for females if you play it into your cycle. So 
those first three weeks being day one of your menstrual cycle in your follicular phase or your menstrual phase, building through that follicular phase into ovulation. And then as you hit luteal phase and as progesterone really peaks and drops off in the late luteal phase, we pull back that training and give that body that week to recover. It's not to say don't train at all. It's just that we might pull back the intensity of the training and potentially give you an additional rest day. And that just means when you come back to the start of the cycle again, you're able to go and then you'll actually continue to progress versus like either falling off or plateauing completely. So that's how we kind of look at periodization within the month of training. But even when you break it down to a week of training, we want to think about periodization how are we breaking our week up so that there are particular days where we go hard? We like the concept of make hard days hard, but you have to make your easy days easy. So where are you taking those downtimes and where are you really pulling back your training? So for example, I know that my Mondays and Fridays are my recovery days. Doesn't mean that I'm not running. I'm just taking my runs super easy. I usually do speed sessions, Tough Girl Tuesday on Tuesdays. And then I do a bit of a harder run on Thursday and Wednesdays really to feel for me. Long run on a Saturday and then easy on Sundays as well. So really I'm only pushing my body at intensity on Tuesdays, potentially Thursdays and Saturdays and the rest of the training is easy. I would not be able to sustain that if I went and tried to run, you know, even five hard days or six hard days and only gave myself one day to recover. So within a week, you really should be periodizing your training and focusing on where are those peaks happening and where are those troughs happening as long as you're kind of always progressing week on week and then that plays into your month and then obviously into your training block. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense around periodization and how you should be setting up your training plan. And hopefully you can kind of take that and adapt that around tying it back to like every run has a purpose, making sure that you're getting those specific runs in and following through on that purpose. Yeah, love it. That was such a good summary, Lids. And I think that may sound like overwhelming. So a really cool way to look at it is like, there's three different types of periodization. So there's like a macro periodization and that's like maybe like a whole year kind of thing. And then you go the meso meso periodization or meso I don't know actually know how to say it say it it's m e s o and that's like more the actual training block purpose like we talked about before right like you know you might be trying to build your base which is just more that mileage and that would be the the meso periodization and then there's a micro which is your week week to week type training so if your ultimate goal is to like run a marathon really fast in a year that's your macro so you look at that. Then you break it down into the MISO, so like the bits that you're trying to focus on within that year, and then you break it down week by week. And like Liz said, having the menstrual cycle in there as well is an awesome way to make sure that you're getting like a down week within it all. So you might be doing your menstrual cycle starts on this day, you're, you're within a training block that's focused on five kilometers speed. And so you do three weeks of that kind of five kilometer speed within that. And then you go, okay, this is another late luteal phase. I'm going to pull back for a week and then I'm going to go hard again for that next cycle. And that leads you into like your 5k. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more of like a summary of how to periodize. But yeah, loved how you put that lids and like considering the menstrual cycle as well is so important. Definitely. And even like that really like macro periodization could and should probably be happening over years. I think people underestimate how long it actually takes you to reach your peak as a runner. They say 
a good eight years of consistent training is what you need to reach your peak as a runner, which I think is kind of nice because it means I think maybe I'm reaching my eighth year with, there's a few inconsistent years in there, but we're getting there. Uh, And so that just shows like even over eight years, you want to see progression and periodization happening over that time. So if we think about that huge scale, like how can we kind of pull it back to the day to day and what are we doing today to kind of like follow that upward trend? Lastly, we just wanted to touch on like the specifics of speed sessions. If you haven't been following us and you haven't seen us out and about talking about Tough Girl Tuesday, we would highly recommend jumping on our Instagram and following along. We've been we've been providing interval and speed sessions out to all of our community based off how they're feeling or their menstrual cycle. It's workouts that are built for them. And it's been so incredible to see so many of the community get amongst and actually go and execute these sessions on Tuesdays and be part of this movement. But for a lot of people, I think they don't really understand what a speed session should actually look like and why we actually do speed sessions. I know they can be quite intimidating for people, especially if they haven't done a lot of them before or are new to running as such. Speed sessions can be quite scary because you're putting yourself in the hurt locker. You might be like moving in a way that you've never moved before. Your running form might look a little bit different when you're moving quickly. And even that can be scary to people. So let's jump into speed sessions and the different types of speed sessions initially. We'll break them down and then we'll go into like how you at home can execute a really good speed session. Est, let's jump into the different types. Firstly, what is your favorite speed session to do and why? And then um, let's chat through the others. Yeah, my favorite is intervals because I'm a track lady through and through. Like I love faster intervals. For me, an interval training is like repeating something set amount of times with a certain amount of rest or that rest might change depending on, you know, the goal of the session. But yeah, for me, like I really love kilometer reps, kilometer reps. I know you did those the other day, Liz. I saw your 10 by a chaos frothing it. That would be super fun. It's obviously a fairly hard distance. Like it is quite, you know, endurance focused and, and long. I also really like broken broken kilometers I find them really fun so that's like you might run 600 meters at like 10k pace and then you have a short rest and then you run 400 meters at 5k pace and you have a slightly longer rest because you've worked harder I like those types of sessions because it gives me a lot of things to focus on I know some people absolutely froth tempos but I'm probably not the hugest tempo fan I do them but it's just like a steady pace for a long time which sometimes I can find quite boring so yeah I'm definitely an interval fan but yeah I can talk about the purpose of intervals but it's um mainly just to get your heart rate up nice and high and then give you recovery to get the heart rate down again and then push again so the shorter the recovery the harder the session will be and then the longer the recovery obviously the easier the session will be and depending on like what you're trying to hit as well and what you're training for is what those intervals will be and like the pace that you pace that you choose as well I can talk about tempos now the one that I said I didn't enjoy as much and then maybe you could touch on some other ones Liz but tempos are yeah like steady state running so faster than the jog but not like maxing out ever for an extended period of time and the whole like goal behind tempos is to like increase your lactate threshold so like for me I've actually had my lactate thresholds tested and basically what they do is they increase your pace um I think I did five minute blocks at paces and then they would prick me test my blood for how much lactic acid was in my blood 
and then increase the pace for five minutes, test my lactic again and continue and continue. And what I was told is that my heart rate to aim for was is 175 beats per minute. And that basically means at that beats per minute, I am able to continually flush out the lactic acid from my body and my blood and not go to the point where you peak in like lactic acid and your body tenses up. I don't know if anyone listening has ever done like fast sprints, that burning sensation in your body where you actually physically tie up and you can't move properly anymore. That's like lactic acid overload. So tempos are really good for that because it's like builds your body's like ability to continually flush that out over time. And that's basically how you can run faster for longer um, if you build your lactate threshold. So that's like what tempos are for. Again, they're not my favorite because they're longer and a little bit boring. <laughs> what do you reckon, Liz? What are your favorites? And then, yeah, maybe some other ones that we talk about on Tough Girl Tuesday. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy tempos either, to be honest. You probably would think that I do, but I think just running at a steady state for a long time, especially by yourself, is boring and tough mentally to like just encourage yourself to continue to go but I probably love fat leg training the most like I really like continuously running but altering pace throughout the session so for those who don't know fat lick means speed play in Swedish it means that we are going to be playing with different paces but not at any point do we stop and rest so there's no I guess like standing recovery or even like walking recovery, your recoveries are continuously moving. And the idea of fartlek training there is actually a few different ways you can approach fartlek training. So potentially you're reaching like really hard intensities, but then in your recoveries, you're pulling it right back, or you actually might bring that window of change down and you might be reaching like relatively hard but not as tough as the other session and then your recoveries aren't so low so for example you might be working at 80 or 90 percent in the ons and then 40 or 50 percent in the offs or you might be working more around 60 to 70 percent on the ons and then more like 50 percent on the offs if that makes sense so you can approach the, the fat leg training in different ways, but you want to make sure that there's purpose behind why you're doing it and understanding why you want to push hard. And the only way you can push hard is if you really easily jog the offs. But over the entire workout, you want to keep it relatively consistent. For a fat leg session, my goal and what I try to encourage my athletes to do is the middle ground or I guess the average pace of the workout should be somewhere near your tempo pace so for me if I'm doing a fart lick session where I'm saying a k on a k off k on's maybe at 330s and the k off is at four minutes that average pace is 345s and that's about my tempo pace so that hopefully makes a little bit more sense around like what sort of paces you should be hitting for those fart lick sessions but I really love fat lick training, especially in marathon training when you're doing really long workouts by changing your pace all the time, it breaks it up and it makes it go a little bit faster. And then like talking about progressive tempos, again, it's probably not my favorite workout, but I would enjoy it more than just like a standard steady state tempo because you still have something to focus on by being like making sure you're not running too quick in the, in the start of the tempo. And then as you go, you want to continue to increase the pace. So for progressive tempos, an example of that might be like 20 minutes at half marathon pace, five minutes at 10K pace, two minutes or all out. That really teaches you pace. I think that's probably the most beneficial thing of a progressive workout is 
it teaches you to be patient with your pace and not go out too hard and save something for the end, which I think is really good for a lot of runners because a lot of us don't know what pace to run at. But progressive tempo is kind of like that step up from the tempo when maybe you want to push the intensity a little bit harder, but not completely all out. I think when we talk about speed sessions, it's helpful for me and hopefully for all of you to think about like heart rates. And so for a tempo session, as S mentioned, you kind of want to get to a heart rate and just hold your heart rate there for the entire session. So example, S is 175 so like let's get to 175 and sustain that for a certain amount of time for a progressive workout it might be slowly increasing that heart rate so you might be sitting at 165 for say 15 minutes then pushing it up to 175 for five minutes and then maxing out at like 185 or 90 whatever you can hit for the last two minutes Interval sessions, you want to see spikes. So you want to see your heart rate flying up for the ons. And then when you recover, when you're standing, recovering, walking, recovering, some people might be jogging slowly for that recovery. You want to see a huge spike in heart rate. So up when you're working and then down as you recover. And then fartlek training is more just kind of like a smaller version of the intervals. You'll see spikes in your heart rate, but your heart rate won't be dropping too much. So it might be getting up to like 170 or 175 in the efforts and then coming down to 150 versus in an interval session, you might be getting up to 180 in the efforts and then allowing it to come right back down to like 120 or 130 in the rests. Might sound quite complex, but hopefully that helps people get their heads around like how these different sessions would look on a graph when you look at your heart rate um, and how you can execute them well. There's one type of speed workout that we haven't spoken about, which I'm going to palm over to uh, Esther because I don't probably do enough of this training. Yeah, I don't think I do either because I live in Mount Monganui and it's bloody flat, apart from the giant mount, which I should run up more. (laughs) So the last one is hills. And like hills are awesome. I think it's really important to say like, don't go and suddenly start running heaps of hills because that is a recipe for injury. Your body needs time to adapt. So like a really awesome way to introduce hills if you have a flat area that you live in is like some short strides up hills. So you might introduce like four by 20 second hill strides and we'll touch on what strides are in a second. But yeah, four by 20 second hill strides and then you might introduce four by 30 seconds and then you go up to six by 30 seconds and then you can start doing sessions on hills and increasing like the intensity maybe of a long run by adding in some hill work as well but hills are really just awesome things they really do make you fit and I know that people may hate them because they are hard but they really are incredible tools in the toolbox for running they just add a level of resistance so they work different muscles than when you're running on the flat so really really good for like knee drive first of all but then working the back of the body so the glutes hamstrings and calves as you drive up the hill so it's really really awesome for building strength through your muscles but also building speed so yeah adding that resistance just makes it harder basically I think hills really important to touch on that you shouldn't be trying to target paces when you're running on hills you should be targeting effort so it might be for example eight by 30 second hill efforts at 10k effort So you're never going to go for 10k pace because I promise you, you won't be hitting it when you're running up the hill unless it's relatively flat. The other thing to note is that, you know, the types of gradient is really important to note. Like if you want to run something quite fast, I would say do not go on something really steep because it's just not going to happen. So trying to find like the gradients that are equal to the type of session you're putting in. So if you were trying to do something at 5k effort, let's go to a hill that's not super steep. 
because I don't think you'll be able to um, execute that well um, on a super, super steep hill. So finding gradients that work with the type of session is important. I used to do this developer workout, which I really don't suggest anyone does unless they want to hate hills forever. But I used to do four by Mount Edens and I think they're like 1500 meters, um, not elevation, but in length and then jog back down recovery. I think for trail running, super important to do, you know, fast up the hill, fast down, fast up the hill and then recover. So I learned that from someone recently, like you need to get your quads strong at being able to recover from smashing them down the hill. Cause I think that's where people find that they're these turn to jelly so yeah a cool session that I learned from someone and I'll just rattle it off now and then we'll move on is like a four minute hill effort so not it's not flat out at all it's like sustained comfortable but strong then run down quite fast then turn around at the bottom run 90 seconds hard up the hill and then walk down and recover and then do that again like three or four times depending on your fitness maybe once if you're you know getting into things but yeah important to note for trails that that's probably extremely important yeah, hills are horrendous, but they can be so good. It's just like weighing up the pros and cons of running hills. For me, I'm like, is it worth me running up hills and running down hills and potentially risking injury than just like not doing hills at all? I definitely incorporate hills into a lot of my like longer runs. But um, yeah, I think it's just like making sure I am not smashing myself on hills, which might mean that I can't run for like X amount of days afterwards. So just being smart when you're approaching hill training and do it gradually, get your body like used to it and adapted to it so that you're not getting injured. Before we go, we just wanted to touch on why we do drills and strides before our speed sessions. Another question we get quite often, and if you are doing Tough Girl Tuesday, you will see that we have included these into the workout so s do you want to just chat through drills i can chat through strides yeah of course drills are a really cool addition to a running program i've used them a lot in my time and i think they just help you become aware of your body and like the way that it's landing and like the efficiency of you running so you know some really cool ones to just rattle off which you can go and google um, and look up on youtube uh, a skips b skips high knees butt kicks and then like bound progression so learning how to bound slowly those are some really cool ones to start with but the idea behind drills here is creating that awareness of where your foot lands versus your body the knee drive at the front and then the push off at the back so these are all parts of the strides and then when you become more aware of how you're moving and how you should be executing the drill that is just creating a connection between your body and your brain and the more that you do it the more that you'll be able to consciously think about doing it while you're running. And then hopefully it becomes something that's unconscious and part of your running. So yeah, like I said, A skips, B skips, high knees and butt kicks are a really good place to start. I think we may be doing something in the future where we sort of talk about what these drills are and the benefits behind them. But yeah, it's really about the awareness of your body, efficiency and the way that you move over time because the more efficient you are, basically it's easier to hold paces for longer so yeah those are some quick ones and the reasons why they're important we'll definitely be doing some um social media content around jewels and strides and i'm putting this out there now because we need a commitment but we will do it for everybody so that you can all understand like what these drills look like est is the queen of drills so she'll be able to perform some of those for you and then we go into strides which for a lot of people, running a stride seems quite weird and irrelevant when you're about to do a speed session at pace. But the idea of a stride is just teaching your legs to move a little bit quicker 
than you were running potentially in the warm-up. So usually we suggest that you do a warm-up, whether that's 5, 10, 15 minutes of jogging, get into some drills and then move into some strides where you're working more at around like 75 to 80% of your maximum pace. So the idea isn't to go out there and completely smash yourself through an 100-meter race you don't want to get to the end of a stride and keel over because you've pushed yourself so hard. You just want to get through a stride that feels like at a pace where you're working relatively quickly, you're pushing the pace up onto your toes, you're focusing on that form that is chatted through and the drills that you would have executed. And your body is just like continuously warming up to get into the speed session, especially if you're doing like an interval or a fart like session where you're potentially reaching quite hard paces you want your body to be ready to hit those paces right from the get-go you don't want to spend the first half of the session like just getting your legs used to turning over quickly but if you do strides and you execute like two even three maybe four strides that are like anywhere between 10 to 20 seconds your legs will be ready to go and turn it on when you need to you don't want to waste the session at all so the strides are kind of like the spice before you get into the workout I usually give myself a few minutes after a stride to actually do the workout just to bring the heart rate down again. But you do you, whatever feels right for you. Just remember strides are not part of the workout. They're there to prepare you for the workout. We also can do strides at other times throughout the week. And again, it's just getting your legs used to moving a little bit quicker, working on your form. The faster you run, the better your form should be. Uh, and doing strides more often can definitely help with that. Love it. Yeah, I reckon they're the easiest way to get your legs moving fast, like Lid said. So yeah, adding them into some easy jogs, just like four by 20 seconds, like Lid said, walk back recovery. Yeah, such an easy way to start getting faster running. Awesome. Well, I feel like that's a lot of information for you to all take away today and hopefully start adapting your own training to your own goals and how you can set up a program that's based on you, your ability, your goals and your menstrual cycle. But if you do have any questions, definitely come hit us up on Instagram at femi.co. Esther and I are there to answer any of your questions around running. If you haven't joined us for Taco Tuesday yet, Head to Instagram on Monday nights. We'll be posting out invite to those who want to come along and join us for Tough Girl Tuesday. Or else if you just want to get in touch with us, you can also head to our website, femi.co. But thank you so much for listening. Thanks for your time, Est. We will be back in your ears next week with an incredible guest. But until then, have an amazing week.